0: I'm Angela Kennecke, a veteran journalist with 30 years in television news and an investigative reporter. But for the purpose of this podcast, I'm just a mom trying to find my way after the loss of a child in the opioid epidemic. I am grieving out loud, using my platform on TV and on social media to try to stop the stigma of addiction and get more people into treatment so that no other family has to go through the devastation that I and my family have experienced at the loss of our 21-year-old Emily. Today I'm joined by a fellow grieving mother, Barb Olson. Barb lost her daughter, Caitlin Carmen, in March of 2018 in a horrific car accident that was not Caitlin's fault. And I met Barb shortly after losing Emily, and we have forged a bond, I guess through grief and all through, through the continuing love of our daughters, which lives on. And Barb has done some amazing things and has been dealing with a lot since Caitlin died. And I just want to thank you so much for being here today, Barb. Thanks
1: for having me, Angela. You're welcome.
0: I can't remember exactly how we met. Did you reach out to me after Emily died?
1: Yes. I uh, Facebook messaged you after Emily died just to let you know that I was a grieving mother and I knew exactly what you were going through. And I just wanted to let you know that... um, I was I was thinking about you and I was so sorry for your loss. I just appreciate that
0: so much when you did that. You weren't the only person to do that. There were a handful of other grieving moms who did the same thing. And I think now I feel I try to pay it forward mm. and do that as well, just to let other people know they aren't so alone because I think you do feel like the rest of the world has have they all have their families, their children or whatever and you're sitting here sort of suffering in, in silence. It's such a lonely feeling is what I'm trying to get at.
1: Yeah, you you do feel like your new journey is very much lonely and that nobody possibly understands it. Everybody, they, they, they offer their condolences, but I feel they don't possibly understand what you live 24 hours a day. And sometimes the only... Uh, connection you have with all of that emotion is with another grieving mother.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And just the understanding. um, I know we'll text at odd hours. Mm -hmm. And and if we're feeling something, I can text you or you can text me and we get it. We Mm -hmm. we just get
1: it. And you feel understood and not judged. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Not that we can offer each other a solution. No. It's uh, just When you have so much emotion at a given point of the day, you just feel like you just need to let somebody know that. Right. Just to let it
0: out a little Mm -hmm. bit. Someone who understands. And I think at first, and maybe you felt this way at first, too, I was looking for relief somehow. Like, who could give me an answer? How do I solve this problem? How do I find some relief? But there really is none. I think you come to realize that you have to
1: somehow incorporate this into your life. Right. For sure. That's, I think, one of the hardest things to come to the realization of is that this is never something that you will get over. This isn't going to get better like it's an illness. Somehow you need to move forward with grief. And not forgetting the loved one. There are maybe healthier ways
0: and not so healthy ways to handle it, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Let's talk a little bit about what happened with Caitlin because by all accounts, she was just an amazing, amazing girl, just a giving, loving, fun-loving person who had goals for herself and who really cared about others. Mm -hmm. And she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing something nice for her little half-brother, right? Mm -hmm. Correct.
1: Yeah, it was um, a normal afternoon. She was home on spring break, and she decided to surprise her little nine-year-old brother with uh, picking him up from school and taking him to um, a gaming arcade to play games. And then she was going to take him home and said she would be home after supper. So she was driving him home, stopped to make a left-hand turn, A distracted driver did not see her and rear-ended her going 65 miles an hour and pushed her into the path of an oncoming semi-truck. And she was killed instantly. Yes. I think
0: what's hardest sometimes for me, and I'm sure, I'm just guessing you feel this way too, is you relive that moment when you got that call or when it all became a reality. Mm -hmm. And... You, I feel sick to my stomach just thinking about it, or just thinking about
1: you having to get that. Yeah, I try. I try not to think of that moment um, very often because it—it's almost like it causes um, post-traumatic stress yeah. disorder. It—it it really, really can. Um, it just, re- just reshakes your world. Just listening over and over to that conversation, that news that you received, and in. In some
0: ways, our daughters were very different. It's interesting that they did cheerleading together. Mm -hmm. We didn't know each other, Mm -hmm. but they did cheerleading together in seventh grade, I think that was, probably. Um,
1: Well, Caitlin was in Dakota Spirit for 13 years. Yeah, but Emily was laying it for sure. So it was a while ago. It It was a few years ago. Yeah, so it's hard for me to remember.
0: And the circumstances of their deaths are very different. Mm -hmm. However, I think some of the stuff that we have both had to deal with in terms of court cases, so my daughter was uh, addicted to a drug that I didn't know she was using, had uh, injected an illegal illegal drug that was filled with fentanyl, deadly fentanyl. And some people were charged in relation to her death. And I've been in court, I've had to speak at a sentencing. You've had a similar thing with this distracted driver. Mm -hmm. And I think both of us have, have learned so much through that whole process. And some of it is pretty disheartening, what you've learned. What happened in in the case of your daughter's crash?
1: Um, Yeah, I I had to go through the trial, and um, he was found guilty, but only guilty of a very minor misdemeanor charge. Was it a $120 fine? And a $120 fine. Um, What I learned- For a human life. Out of that whole situation- is how behind South Dakota laws, driving laws are, that we actually have the worst driving laws in the nation, and they are so outdated that if this accident would have happened in any of the surrounding states, it would have been a vehicular homicide uh, charge. But those charges, that option was not available in the state of South Dakota, um, so they couldn't charge him as such. And so what I learned is we have work to do with our laws.
0: And you've been trying to be an agent for change in this area. I always say there's nothing more powerful than a grieving, angry mom, right? <laughs>
1: Correct. Because
0: you are angry that this ha- this happened and someone seemingly, nothing much happens to them.
1: Yeah, I just don't understand how we can try to better ourselves as a society by advertising, no texting and driving, hands on the wheel, uh, pay attention when reality we don't have laws to back up or enforce any of that. So what needs to happen and what are you going to do to make sure it happens? Well um, I, I have been in touch with some representatives and our state's attorney. I was in contact with our state's attorney shortly after the sentencing, to find out exactly what was wrong with our law so that I knew exactly what needed to be changed. And um, so I I have to get together a bill and and get somebody to, to pass sponsor that it, right? bill and, sponsor it, right? yeah, yeah, and, and bring it forward. And it kind of happened at the, sa- the same time as trying to get together a nonprofit for my daughter. So I kind of lost steam on one side of it when the nonprofit got approved and I needed to get that going. Well, you can't do everything. and You can't do
0: everything at once and and you have so much on your plate Mm -hmm. uh, as we all do. But tell me a little bit about this nonprofit that you started and, and why you did that.
1: Within the months following Caitlin's death, I was contacted over and over and over by so many people that I had no idea who they were. I had never met them, but they just wanted to let me know how Caitlin had impacted their life in such a positive way and how they would never forget uh, knowing her. And this just kept happening over and over and over again, and I just finally got to the point where, first of all, I had so much emotion and I needed to do something with my emotion But the realization came to me that she had already spread so much love, so much goodness. That how can this already be over at in nineteen years? How can this 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 can't just be done? And so this has to continue. And she was a sophomore or a junior in college. A sophomore, sophomore in college at USD. Yep, she was a special a special education in elementary ed. She had so many friends. Major. So, wanted to be a teacher, wanted yeah. to work
0: with kids with special needs. Correct. And so you heard from all these people, which must have felt really, really good mm-hmm. to know. I mean, also, it, it really bittersweet, right? Bittersweet. Yeah.
1: It, it's really what keeps me going on a lot of days. Yeah, Just to know right. that she impacted
0: so many people. And you wanted to do something with that. So what was your idea? What did you want to do?
1: And so I decided to start... Um, the foundation called Live Like Cat. Caitlin's nickname was Cat, and, and she always drew. Uh, she always drew the cutest little cat when face. she signed her name. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Adorable. yeah, which is the logo of uh, the nonprofit. And so, we just through through help with friends and brainstorming. We came up with how how what is this going to look like? We we have this concept that. We have to move forward with a nonprofit, but what's it going to look like? And so it looked like what Caitlin's work already was, which is literacy, children, teaching, and education. Through that, we support teachers classrooms education and other literacy programs so
0: you've collected books you've been into classrooms bringing books and what else have you done
1: uh we just issued our we just gave away our first teaching scholarship of a thousand dollars last month
0: that's wonderful so congratulations
1: um, yeah she's she was she just emulated caitlin in so many ways it was just amazing
0: is this helping
1: you Doing all this work, I'm asking. It, it is helping me. It's something, it's a channel for my emotion. Mm-hmm.
0: I always say that I am channeling my grief into Emily's hope that by taking the focus off myself and putting it on others, of trying to prevent other people from having to deal with a similar tragedy, and in your case, you're keeping your, your daughter's work alive. And also, it's very important to me to keep my daughter's art alive in in a a very similar way. We have an art scholarship in Emily's name as well. I take the focus off myself and my own pain and put it onto others. And I
1: think that is probably the healthiest thing that I can do. Yeah, you know, there's, uh, there's just no right answers. And so when I look at it as if you've done something, or for a period of time, you, you were able to do something good in and during that time period you know you didn't feel the the constant grief you got a break from that that right. that's a positive thing yeah that's very true plus I think one of my fears is that we both had
0: talented daughters that had their own passions and when someone dies 20 years from now you know who's going to remember that person other than their mom if we're we're still on this earth right right um I think they're close family I think it's just we don't want our children to not be remembered.
1: It's, it's I think, uh, one of the greatest fears of a mother is that everybody's going on with life, and you just hope that your daughter will not be forgotten. Right. I don't think that Kat will ever be forgotten. <laughs> so you Especially
0: know. with this, what I see, all this good work you're doing, and people naturally want to help in those efforts. Sometimes getting people to want to help with addiction issues is a little bit different. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's doesn't have as many positive connotations around it as what you're doing with with the Live Like Cat Foundation. Let's talk about you for a minute, because before
1: Cat died, you were suffering from cancer. You were in remission. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, I was diagnosed in um, June of 2016 with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It was just shortly after Caitlin had uh, lost her father and had then graduated from high school. And so she was alive still when I was going through treatment the first two times for uh, the lymphoma. And then I was declared in remission for two years. And now it's back. Yes. Do
0: you think that's because of the horrible emotional state that losing a child puts you in? Is that, has it that affected you physically is what I'm asking.
1: Uh, it was no surprise to me when uh, they said that the lymphoma was back. I just figured how, how can it not be? How can it, how can such extreme grief not affects you uh, physically in so many ways. That
0: mind-body connection, and I think when we're under so much stress, you know, emotionally, obviously it shows up in physical symptoms. I've had some physical symptoms of anxiety-type, you know, things Mm -hmm. too and other things that stomach issues, you know, I think that are clearly that that mind-body connection.
1: Yeah, I think people forget about that or don't realize that. They just figure it's an emotional sadness, And grief is just so much more complex than that.
0: It comes out in strange ways sometimes, too, like when you're least expecting it. And I'm not talking about just crying. I mean, there's just all kinds of a gamut of emotions. And it's hard to
1: keep a hold of yourself and who you really are in the midst of it all. Oh, for sure. It's almost like you have forgotten who you used to be. Right. You, You feel that person is no longer existing. And maybe, maybe they
0: don't. I mean, I suppose it will forever change us. Sure. This, these huge monumental losses. What, what can you do for self care to take care of yourself? I worry about you now with the return, you know, of your cancer and you're starting treatment again.
1: Right. You know, that's, that's a hard one. Because as a mother, you've always put your children before yourself. And that continues even after death. And so for me to put myself first in front of Caitlin is still a very difficult thing. So I guess I try to obey the doctor's orders as best I can. When I'm fatigued, I stay home and rest. And I try to, I try to listen to my symptoms, I think, more right. than I used to.
0: It does forever change you. I have talked to a couple other mothers who have just really struggled after losing their daughters, both lost daughters um, besides us, here in our, in our community. And I think both of them have also lost their jobs. One was sort of forced out and one was actually fired because it is really hard to keep it. I, I've been very lucky. My employer has been understanding and supportive, but it's really hard to keep all those balls in the air when you're dealing with a loss of a child
1: for sure. One of the things that I think goes when you are affected by such extreme grief is your concentration, and so That's no doubt.
0: Before we started this podcast, <laughs> I couldn't remember anything. I said, "But at least Barb, you understand because <laughs> right. I'm with someone who is really understanding." But I could be with I could have forgotten name or something like that, and I could be with someone like, "Well, what's wrong with you?" Yeah. Now?
1: So, um, you know, a job is a difficult thing some days to to effectively do because you're you're not all together right? most of the time. My focus and my concentration isn't what it was. Right, for uh, sure. Sometimes I think,
0: you know, part of that is because I'm spread a little thin with trying to do nonprofit and charity work on top of things and also raise my other children. But at the same time, I was always able to have more laser focus before, even when I had a lot of stuff going on. Right. Um, it's just harder
1: now. Yeah, you just feel like you can't connect all the dots anymore.
0: Now, I know you've been uh, through some counseling. That's really great. What are the best, and you shared a few things with me before we started talking for this podcast, what do you think has
1: helped most in grief counseling for you? Probably the aspect of hearing that there that there is hope, that that all these steps along the way where i am today even though it might not feel like i'm in a better place than a year ago for somebody to tell me you you are doing it you are walking with grief and you're doing wonderful things and you are surviving and there is there is hope there's hope today what brings you joy today you know that's that's a hard question to answer my my counselor asks me that. And I guess my friends. And have you been able to keep all of your friends? That's one thing that
0: has come up time and time again when I talk to other parents and people who've lost children. Sometimes those friends that they had don't want to be around somebody who's grieving have, your friends seem really great and supportive. Yeah,
1: I have awesome friends, and for the most part, they are they are all still by my side. That's fantastic. But I know exactly what you're talking about, that I think sometimes death just makes people uncomfortable. Yeah.
0: Well, we all want to think, right, we're going to live forever, and nobody really wants to think about death, or that anything could happen to them or their loved ones. But death is part of life. We all are going to have to deal with it eventually, in yeah. you know, one way or the
1: other. And when it just hits so close to home, I think some some people just don't know right. what to say. You know what's interesting too. I may be getting a little bit off topic here, but
0: that we, you and I know that anything can happen at any moment. So, for example, we just had a tornado hit our community this last week, mm-hmm. and I know. I mean, I, when I was taking cover with my family and my teenage teenager, you know, for the I know that. Anything can happen at any minute. There are no guarantees in this life. How has, And you know that, too. Yeah. How has that changed you, knowing that, really knowing it, not just as an abstract
1: concept, but as a reality? I'd like to think that I was very available before, but I think that just how you treat people and how you show your your love for other people just, becomes more evident through your your conversations with them because you you just never know it's it's just crazy how you just never know
0: I think this has made me a more compassionate
1: and less judgmental person for sure you think that for yourself oh, too absolutely yeah. the, the, there's there's just so not time for for pettiness in my life anymore. Just no time. Right.
0: And you you really, these minor things, you're like, oh, who cares about w- whatever? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, that the doesn't drama, matter. That the minor drama. Yeah, the drama. I, I always call it post-traumatic growth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to focus on the loss and, and the sadness. And I, I believe depression follows after that first year. I really believe that, especially in our cold winters where we live, and right. it can be kind of tough. But I do think that if we can allow ourselves, we can grow following these horrible tragedies. I think it has to be a conscious effort. Right. It's easy to, and that's why I think focusing outward instead of going inward on ourselves. Because it could be very
1: easy to do that. Right. It's a conscious effort many days to keep putting one foot in front of the other and moving forward. What gets you up in the morning? What, What gets you going? Probably first of all, I could hear Caitlin saying to me, really, Mom, really, you're not going to go on. And some days just, well, what else am I going to do? Yeah. What about uh, the work that the foundation can do?
0: Is that something that you get excited about that you feel has purpose in your life?
1: Oh, it definitely has purpose in my life. And to hear and to get letters from children that we've done classroom uh, presentations and book giveaways in to hear how Caitlin has affected their life, and they they didn't know her, and how they choose to live like cats. So if just even a tiny morsel of that stays with the majority of kids, I think that's I think that's. We've reached our goal. That's a positive thing. It's like a ripple, you know, the pebble in the water and the ripple that goes out. Right. and keeps going and Absolutely. going. Absolutely. How do we live like cat? Live genuinely, love others. There's there's no judging. Carry a bulk size container of candy with you. <laughs> do you do that? <laughs> no, what Caitlin did. But but I
0: think maybe now oh, you need to carry oh, on that tradition. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And and just um, tell and show everybody that you do love them and that you do care for them. Well, if just one person
0: hears that message, then you carrying on her legacy hears it and lives it. Then you carrying on her legacy will have made a huge difference. I hope so. Thanks for being here, Barb. Thanks, Angela. I believe we can all learn from each other as we walk through life, and by sharing our suffering, we can lessen the suffering of others. Until next time, wishing you faith, hope, and courage. To read my blogs and join us in our mission, just go to Emily's Hope at paintingapathtorecovery.org. Also, please rate and review this podcast. Thank you.